0: Hey everybody, I'm Greg Soule and this is Why Am I, a podcast where I talk to interesting people and try and trace a path to where they find themselves today. My guest this go-around is Jenny B. This lady is a machine. She's a single mother of two teenage girls, which honestly I think is probably her most proud accomplishment. Uh, She is a career TV producer, writing instructor, and an awesome podcast host and producer, and truly just an all-around good human. Uh, Having found her through her podcast, I have to say that she gives some uh, definite production goals for folks like me. She covers some heavy topics with the effortless precision and grace of a ballet dancer. I want to be as accomplished and humble about it as Jenny when I grow up. I hope you enjoy this chat with Jenny B. Jenny B, thank you for joining me on the Why My podcast.
1: I'm so happy that you asked me to be part of this. It's so fun. I'm excited.
0: Oh, my gosh, you're an amazing liar. And I appreciate every (laughs) syllable of that. I'm going to I'm going to listen to that on a loop. Um, So what I know I usually go into this thing really quick, but I'm just curious, why do you call yourself Jenny B instead of Jenny Bestworth?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. (laughs) It's been it's been asked in my life, but not for a very long time. So I haven't been I haven't had to answer this in a while. So when I was 16, Growing up in a small town, everybody got their license right away when they turned 16. This is not something that you waited for. There was no public transit. So everybody wanted to have a car. And my mom, as a birthday present for me, got me a license plate, a personalized license plate. This was brand new back then. And I think it cost like 200 bucks. Like it was really expensive because it was new. Nobody was really doing it. It was like, this is a thing. You can put something on a license plate. So she got me a license plate, and a lot of my friends called me Jenny B. And so she put Jenny B on my license plate. And so for years, I drove around with this on my car, and it stuck. And so much so that when I moved to Toronto and I started working in television, that's just what everyone called me and in the credits when people's names roll in the credits mine say Jenny B hmm. my last name barely ever gets used and one of my best stories funny stories from one of my bosses i'd been working at a show for you know a few years and we were quite close and we were sitting around talking having a meeting about something and he said Jenny B we uh wait What's your last name? Like it just occurred to <laughs> me they didn't actually know my last name. <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's just Jenny B. in uh, my, my my kids friends call me Jenny B. Like I don't I'm probably too old for it now actually, but it's just something that stuck and it's never really gone away. Got you. So, so I roll with it. So your name
0: for a car. I get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. All right, so man, you are so easygoing. I love this. So generally when I start this thing I, um, you know, I I don't like the idea of like giving introductions to people because uh, that's me telling their truth, and that is not the truest of the truths uh, that could be. So I like to say that we are somewhere. So you and I, uh, do you guys have Krispy Kreme donut shops up there?
1: We do have. got okay. I just said to a friend this morning, I'm jonesing for a Krispy right. Kreme donut. So you
0: and I are at Krispy Kreme. They told us that the red lights going to come on in 15 minutes, right? So we're waiting on those fresh donuts. Uh, the one I go to will actually sling you one right off the line and let you eat it. So Ugh. so we're chilling there. We're waiting. We're bull chiving. Uh, you know, we talk about me and what I do for a second, blah, blah, blah. That's it's boring. We exhaust that very quickly. So now it's your turn to reciprocate. So who are you? <laughs>
1: oh, my goodness. Jeez. Maybe I prefer someone telling me who I am. Um, <laughs> who am I? Well, the first thing that comes to, I'm a mom. <laughs> I'm a mom. I didn't think I'd ever be a mom. I didn't know if I'd ever have kids, of course, you know, growing up in your 20s and you're having the time of your life. It really wasn't a thought that I had in my head. And now I'm a single mom uh, to two really awesome girls. And I'm much more than that. But it's the first thing that comes to my mind because we're really tight threesome. The three of us are, you know, it's us against the world kind of thing or with the world, I should say. So that is the first thing that comes to my mind. I am a... I'm the daughter of two people that were amazing that really showed us what it was like to be kind and live in a small town and be courteous and lovely to your neighbor and to get to know people. I'm a storyteller, and I come by that very honestly from my parents and all of my siblings. I'm the youngest of five kids. There were seven of us that would grow up in, um, one-floor house in a little teeny town on top of a hill and uh it was a really special upbringing i'm a television producer i'm a writer and i'm a podcaster <laughs>
0: <laughs> so at this point their face is slack they don't even know to what, what to say back i mean that is a lot that is a mouthful how is it possible that one human can do all of these things
1: well, you're making me feel amazing because sometimes I wake up and go, what have I done with my life? <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to have a reminder that, yeah, maybe I've done a couple of things. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I've lived a lot of years. So I guess cumulatively over the years, you, you, you find things and you become things and you are things. Um, geez, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. There's a 24 hours in the day, and I definitely use them up. I would say that. <laughs>
0: That's cool. I never use them as effectively as I would like to. But when we're talking about your accomplishments. Yeah, on LinkedIn, you scroll and you scroll and you scroll and you scroll, and eventually the wheel on your mouse falls off. You've yeah, you've been out there. You've done a lot of stuff. It's pretty awesome.
1: Does it seem braggy, Greg? Is it braggy? <laughs> no, no,
0: no. I, I, to be honest, I look at LinkedIn as like um, a living resume. So in my mind, you should put absolutely everything on there, right? right. You know, because the first thing somebody does when they're going to work with you is what they Google you and they find your LinkedIn and they check you out. So it's like, why wouldn't you put all this stuff in there? It's absolutely right, not. And to me, it, you're just writing something in a history book, right? You're not, you know, spinning tall tales or anything like that. That's just. It, and I have learned that people are comprised of everything they've done in their lives, all the decisions they've made. Um, somebody I heard uh, the other day uh maybe an unsavory guy but the way he put this is he said you're born looking like your parents right and the question was posed to him it's like you know what um what personality traits do you still have from your parents or something like that and he was saying you're born looking like your parents but you die looking like all the decisions you've made in your life and i was like wow that's a that's a beautiful way if it's really that was deep it took me like I had, is I had to ponder that for a little while so like that's the way I look at it right it's like you are just an amalgam of all of the things and experiences and people you've run into uh, so yeah I think man you gotta you gotta read off your rap sheet like you just gotta let everybody <laughs> have it all for sure <laughs> I appreciate <Yeah>. that <laughs> the first thing you said that's interesting you think of yourself as a mom first like um as like a a unit I guess did you think of you and your daughters as a single being now, just like we are the bees. Yeah, I mean, you don't say maybe, yeah we call
1: it. Yeah, we call ourselves um, the three bees. <laughs> and sometimes we call ourselves we three and we're a package deal. We That's three. what I always tell people are a package deal. My mom, I remember my mom saying to me one time that she thought her biggest accomplishment, her biggest accomplishments in life and her best accomplishments in life were her five kids. And I remember at the time. I was probably in my maybe 20s or early 30s. I remember kind of like, ugh, like rolling my eyes and thinking that was a really lame answer. And what else have you done in your life? And that can't be the thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, knowing nothing, like yeah. I'm, you know, well, she's, I'm an idiot kid at that. She point. said five
0: kids, but there's actually six. So there was one of you she wasn't proud of. She just didn't want to say. Hey, right, is exactly. Right?
1: <laughs> so no, there is five. <laughs> Did I say five siblings before? Did I say I have five siblings?
0: Uh, I thought you said seven.
1: There's seven in total, a family, sorry, parents and five kids. So that was my bad. Yes, I'm the youngest of five kids. Um, So but maybe there was someone that she was never not speaking about. But yeah, I remember her thinking that or saying that and me thinking that that wasn't who she was. Like, are you you're just who you are because of your children? And now I get it. Um, I totally understand it because I am still my own entity and I'm not a person because of them. And I have a very separate life from them, mm-hmm. actually. And if I had never had them, I know that I would have had a very full and fulfilling and wonderful life. I said that all the time. I have lots of friends that don't have kids and I don't think there's any one way that's good or right or better or anything. Um, but I think because of our situation, because it is just the three of us, um, I'm raising them completely on my own. I think it's two girls. So there's a tightness there, and there's a closeness that we have that is really I'm so great. I'm so grateful for it. I, I don't without being you know, overly mushy, um, they really have become such a huge part of mm. my life since you know, I think since that, since you know it was just the three of us. I'm actually, you know, I'm not happy that I got divorced. I'm not happy, you know that maybe they don't have a dad, you know, that's around in their life. but I think that what we have and what we've you know made from that situation I am really happy for that and oh. really grateful for that. So yeah, I guess mom just and and they're in my world big time right now because one is 12 and a half and one is 15 and a half. And so we're in it, right? So maybe if you ask me that question in 5 years when everyone's left the house, I might have a different answer, but in this moment right now, yeah, that's the first thing that came to my head for sure. Mm.
0: Yeah. I've got a a 13 and a 16 year old. They're both boys Mm -hmm. though. So, you know, it's a different set of problems. (laughs) Problems still, but a different set. Yeah. So I did that. Do you think that cohesion you guys have that like single unit, do you think that's a lot of that is born out of the fact that you're a single parent? And it's like, you just literally can't do everything. Even though you are doing everything, you have to do everything. Right. It's like, I think in those single parent situations, the kids have more responsibilities. And they can kind of see where they fit in and um, become more part of the unit, right? It's like, I have an important role to play in and I'm doing. Do you think that kind of informs your kids a little bit more?
1: I wish that they were more responsible. (laughs) 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 I wish that was a true statement. I think that there's definitely things and aspects where they would have to step up in a different way than, you know, someone being raised by two parents. But then I also know lots of two parent situations that, you know, they are just being raised by one parent or, you know, um, that's an unhealthy situation, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it's not to say that one is better, or, or it, they're also different, we're also different, our situations. But I think that what has come from it is uh, a real sense of uh, empathy towards people's situations, because they know that they're the way that they're being raised and their life is very different um, than other people's or is different than other some other people's not you know divorces it's pretty common nowadays unfortunately but I think by the sheer fact that it's just the three of us um, there's an empathy that comes with that I don't I don't know if I'm explaining that properly but I see that in both of them that they have giant hearts mm-hmm. and they're very empathetic to everybody's family and life situation And I don't know if that's because they've been asked questions in the past, like, where's your dad or what, you know, who's like, you know, those kinds of things. So they've had to sort of think about what that means to them. And I would also say that um, because we're a house of three girls, that there is a real awareness to women's rights Mm. and women in the workforce and women doing a lot of jobs and, you know coming of age and like all those things, because it's an open book in this house. We we are talking far more than I ever did when I mm-hmm. was growing up. And I know that's a different time. Mm-hmm. So that's another like shade to my mom. But um, yeah, it's there's there's no conversation that is off limits and trust me sometimes i regret that decision (laughs) because i get i get one of them coming at me and i'm thinking oh my god what is this going to be like i don't really want to talk about this right now but i do and we hunker down and so i think that there's a real awareness and an appreciation i think that's a sign of the times for sure but i do think it's also probably being raised by a single mom is is part of that
0: Mm. yeah i you know so in um in my household growing up as well there wasn't uh uh there wasn't a lot of sharing of feelings and thoughts and emotions and it just like that didn't exist and like i learned at a very early age that um feeling things is dangerous so you have to like protect yourself you have to like so it's right and so now yeah it's like a 180 um, with my kids and you know what's so funny is like i never wanted to have kids I was the people mm. in the movie theater complaining when I saw little kids walking in hundred or, or the kids sitting <laughs> next to me at the restaurant. It's like, Oh my God, this is ridiculous. You know? Um, I never wanted them and to be perfectly honest. My wife did. So we had kids and even mm-hmm. when she was pregnant, I was like, I felt nothing, you know, but it, I know it's a different experience for, for a, a woman, you know, being pregnant. Sure. For one you've got all these uh, amazing hormones that, you know encourage you to to you know want to nurture and all those things but also for me it was like i was watching something on tv it's like it wasn't real until it got here because i was so worried like am i even gonna like this thing i was like i don't even really like the cat you know am i gonna like this kid um yeah and i ended up you know obviously loving my kids and um i found unconditional love for the first time like that's Mm -hmm. that's what i found there and uh, i was having a conversation with my kids one time about it and i was telling them how they're the only time in my life I have and never will have unconditional love. And they're like, well, mom loves you like that. And I go, hmm, think so? And they go, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, what happens if I go and have an affair with somebody else? Is mom still going to love me? And they're like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, so it's just, it's different. You know? Yeah,
1: it is different. It's, it's not something I ever imagined. And I now understand what my mom was talking about because that also happens. Is that you realize later when you do it or as you get older, like you know, what they were speaking about, what they were feeling. But yeah, it is definitely it is crazy. It is not something I imagined that I could, yeah, ever feel. I feel the same way as you do. And it's it is unconditional for sure. And that sense of wanting to protect okay. and, you know, that is that's a fun thing that I didn't ever <laughs> expect to have, you know, a feeling about either. You know, that mama bear thing that comes out or whatever it is, and just wanting to keep them safe. And I thought, you know, after you kept them alive for the first few years, I thought I was really like out of the woods. I thought, okay, great, smooth sailing, we're doing great. Um, And then I, you know, we got to high school and and into teenage years. And it's a whole set of other things. I'm like, Oh, my God, no, now this is the time I have to keep them alive. Like This is actually scarier and harder than it was when they were a toddler uh anyway that nobody no one really warns you for that that. yeah
0: it was so terrifying at first and then it's like oh this is this is all right this is pretty easy and now it's terrifying again um especially
1: until you die (laughs) both
0: of them right in that like that dangers i mean they're right oh my gosh like the you're in the same boat you're like the same age gap and so they're both like meandering into uh i heard somebody describe it as um Having children is like taking your heart out of your chest and telling it to go play in traffic. And that's what that's I feel right. like I'm doing every day with them, like sending them off to like high school, especially <laughs> in the crazy world we live in right now, you know.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, you can't you can't protect them from everything. I guess that's the one thing that I definitely learned is that they're going to feel the emotions they're going to have the The crummy things happen to them they're living in a world right now that is just so bizarre you know my oldest started grade nine started high school in the pandemic and I just felt that was so unfair but I had friends that kids graduated in a pandemic and didn't get their graduation from high school you know Mm so this is it's a it's a tough time for everybody but I think yeah for kids it's it's really it feels very unfair so trying to just you know yeah, protect them and support them in the best way that you can while also taking care of yourself, you know, there's that too, Yeah. which I think, especially single moms, I think that's, and not to say take that away from anyone else, because I think it's hard for everybody, but I think that that's extra hard in, in that situation. Yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I mean, I grew up with a single mom, and I, I remember the days where she was working two jobs. And I mean, not like you—you're working like eight jobs at any one point in time. <laughs> not all at once, <laughs> <mind> you, but. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, it's a lot for any person to take on. You know, it's mm-hmm. for sure at any point in time. It is a lot for anybody to take on. One thing you were saying that kind of like sparked a little piece of curiosity in my mind was that you and your daughters have a lot of conversations, some of them unexpected. Um, that you probably never anticipated having and what makes me think about that there is how do you deal with the conversations that you want to have but they won't have with you because i remember like as a kid well i mean i just i didn't have like a reciprocal parent that like actually talked about feelings but if i wanted you know there was just certain things that i would never talk to them about. i wouldn't tell them i wouldn't ask them and i know the same is true with my kids and it's like I wanna have these conversations, they're important conversations, but it's never gonna happen with me. And I see them talk to somebody else and they will that somebody else will say the same thing that I've said eight million times. And when they say it, okay, I'll do that now and it just drives me crazy. It's like how do you how do you reconcile the idea that, you know, I there's these important conversations that I just can't I can't even imagine what that's like with daughters. Like sons, I don't know. They're a little bit more straightforward you can kind of i mean they're, they're idiots you can see what's going on inside their heads you know they're transparent but daughters it seems like would be a little bit more complicated
1: i think so i think that um high school and and all of the hormones and the changing bodies and all of those things and girls and there are it is true there are mean girls but there's mean boys too yeah. it's not necessarily just for one uh gender so I think that, yes, there are definitely things that I might want to bring up that they don't want to talk about, but I'm very, very fortunate because they really do come to me for most stuff. That's awesome. I know. Maybe that'll change. I don't know. Knock on wood. Um, I'm really, I'm so lucky. You know, they've even been teased by their friends. Like, do you have to tell your mom everything? I think they know. (laughs) Their friends know. Like, if they're going to tell them something, there might be a chance that I'm going to hear it. So, and like I said earlier, I I honestly don't need to hear all of it. Like, there's some (laughs) stuff just. And usually, those conversations started around eleven o'clock at night. You know, ten thirty, eleven. I'm like, what can? I'm there all day. All day long just come and tell me (laughs) any open window but the big conversations tend to really happen at nighttime, late at night i don't know why that is but anyway i'll take it when i can if i'm falling asleep i might have to put a you know pause button on but um i'm lucky they do they do have a little joke that you know sometimes they'll come and just tell me something that they think is funny or they think is you know it's just something that's happened and they will debate whether or not they feel like getting a lesson along with it because maybe they just wanna come and tell me something that's not that it's not nice, but maybe it's just a little bit too jokey for my liking, let's say about something or somebody and I will hear it and then I'll bring it around to a lesson. <laughs> and they're like, why does everything have to be a lesson? <laughs> so I think those are definitely the moments where they question whether or not they wanna tell me something. <laughs> I think they nine times out of ten they tell me anyway and then they'll just suffer through the through the lesson part of it but yeah i I am pretty lucky and i know that i'm lucky and i do not take it for granted
0: Mm -hmm. so you touched on it a teensy bit i heard you mention it earlier um, because from like listening to your podcast which i'm sure we'll get into here in a minute as well um it seems like growing up in a small town really informs a lot of who you are, right? I guess it's the kind of the foundation upon which you are built. Um, so tell me about growing up in a small town. Was it Meaford? Said how it was
1: meaford yeah. Okay.
0: Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. It is I say that that town and growing up there in a small town and in my family situation as well, but it really made me who I am today. And I know that not everybody has beautiful small town experiences and I've heard a few of my own even from you know when I was growing up but for my personal experience I can't imagine I can't imagine anything else I'm now raising my girls in the city and I've had many moments where I think I've made a giant mistake (laughs) and I should like immediately pack our bags and get us to a small town but for me I think the special part for my personal experience was that my dad owned general store that was attached to our house so we were at the top of a hill so there was sort of the top of the hill and then there was the the bottom of the hill and the bottom of the hill was sort of main street and the town and the harbor we grew up on the water which was really lovely Mm -hmm. so it was a beach town we also had an army base still there in our town so a lot of um, people that were training for the military would come to Meaford and, and stay at the army base there. So we were a town of 4,000 people at the time. It's grown a lot since then. But in the summer, it would you know double in size because of people that were coming to be at the beach, people that would come in, and camp out, and then, of course, the, the army base. So we were around lots of different types of people. But I think growing up in my house and in my store with my dad, being the person that he was, It was a meeting place for tons of people. You know, I tell a thousand stories about this. I won't tell them all, but you know, people came to just hang out there. You know, the story that I tell is that on Mondays and Wednesdays from one to three, my dad would close the store, everybody knew it, and he would go downtown and do his banking. I don't know why it took two hours, but he was visiting people. He was part of town council, so he'd stop into the town hall. He would go all to every, every bank. There was three banks, and he would go visit all of the, tell- the tellers. He just was the man about town. <laughs> and school ended, and he was supposed to be back at 3, and that store was supposed to be open. But you would come home from school on Mondays and Wednesdays, and I remember rounding the corner and sort of like, you know, cringing and holding my breath, hoping that he had made it back. And generally, I would say at least half the time, dad was not back yet. (laughs) But, so that meant that you had to open the store, but it also meant that there was people sitting in their cars in the parking lot, waiting for him to come back. Now who would do that? Would you go sit in the convenience store parking lot and wait for the owner to come back and open the store? No, of course not, you'd go to the other convenience store. So we'd go in and I'd be like, oh, and I never wanted to open it. For many reasons, I just didn't want to work in the store. And the second reason was people would come and they go, Hey, bro. And they go, Oh, is your dad not here? Like, no one was happy to see you. They only (laughs) wanted to come and see dad. So, he that's just a small example of what he created. So, I think I was around a ton of different people. I was around, um, you know, he called everybody brother, that was his thing. And so then they started calling him back, you know, that back, he was very, very generous to people in the town, if people were short on cash, he just let them take it. You know, he was, he started so many things in that store that I witnessed. And so that combined with small town mentality, small town mentality is everybody is your neighbor, you help when you can, you know, you you old people are revered Um, you know senior (laughs) citizens are are, you know because there's a lot in small towns because that's where you would go to retire and settle down and so I think it was just a cross-section of people and I think that the underlying you know the underlying philosophy there is that you are kind and you are a good neighbor and you are generous and I think that's that's probably the greatest gifts that I got from 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 being there
0: that's interesting so man you have a reverence i don't know if you've ever noticed it when you talk about your dad like i your cadence seems to slow a little bit you just yeah there's 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 something there um it sounds like so much of you like i've been burning down your podcast for a little while since i mean we've (laughs) had this schedule for a while and so you know i've had the opportunity to listen to a lot and it does sound like one of the things you're most proud of and it seems like you try and you know, pass on to your girls is kind of that um, um, empathy is is a big one and uh, uh, generosity, you know, trying to take care of others and, and seeing that in others. Do you, think, do you think this is sort of you carrying forward a legacy for your dad, you know, in a way that he'll be able to live on forever sort of through this, you know, passing of the of the torch, the small tail and torch, I guess, as it were.
1: That <laughs> almost made me cry. That's really nice. That's such a nice way of thinking it. Um, I would also say that my dad was a bit of a pill
0: <laughs> sometimes, too. Like,
1: <laughs> my siblings who are older than me have very different stories about growing up with my dad. There's 15 and a half years between myself and my oldest brother, and his relationship to my dad was very different than the baby yeah. 15 years later. I just want to be clear about that. So he had. There was hard parts to my dad. I think that you either loved him or you hated him. I, you know, he was on town council. He was super opinionated, but at the core of who he was. And I do believe how he was remembered was that kindness. And maybe, maybe that is something that I'm just, you know, in the back of my head, it was ingrained in me. But I think also, yes, having him live on, I, he died when I was 21 and he was such a big part of that town, you know there was a full page in the paper when he passed away. Um, you know, <laughs> there's 4000 people in the town and 1100 people shut up at his funeral like that's, you know, that's wow. not nothing a quarter of the town. Um, so he, he really, he brought something to that town. And I think, yeah, I for sure want to uh, keep that going in whatever way. And, and I don't know that it was purposeful necessarily. Uh, but I, I think for sure that that was because of him and yeah absolutely a little bit for him and my mom whenever i post a story on facebook facebook is sort of where my my childhood people are that's you know that's where my high school friends are and my public school friends and whenever i post a you know a story on there or a photo of my parents on there it is without a doubt the thing that gets me the most comments and I have heard stories he died t- when I was 21 that is a long time ago he, I still people still tell me stories stories that I've never heard before stories of when they went into the store what he, something he did for them that they've never forgotten like that gosh if we could all go out of this earth, out of this world that way like that I think is the biggest thing for me just leave the earth um better than how you found yeah. it in whatever way that is you know his was a small little way in a store on a hill in a little town but people are still talking about him over 25 years later (laughs) that is that is no joke so (laughs) if I can have even a quarter of that my goodness I would be very very lucky person I
0: think it's I've talked to people before that you know they were talking about what legacy are they're gonna leave you know and and I've had people say you know I I never did these great I mean you know I mean you know, if you're not Einstein, are you going to really be remembered as a scientist? You know what I mean? Like if you're, you know, if you're not Alan Turing, are you really going to remember, you know, as Codebreaker? You know what I mean? It's like it's like some people do great, big, amazing things and they're remembered for that, right? So it's like, what legacy am I going to leave? But a lot of these people, um, not unlike yourself, are storytellers. And they slowly make these gentle nudges in people throughout their lifetime. And it's an invisible legacy of just moving these people towards being a little bit better just tiny little bits right you know and you know what they say is like if you have two lines um that are seemingly parallel but only a slight a slight angle slight augmentation you know for the first 10 miles you can't tell anything but once you get you know a lifetime of distance away you can see how much you've moved that person i think it's amazing when people go out of their way to um you know try and try and put a little bit of good out there try and make a little difference here and there like to me that ah it just it gets me every time
1: yeah me too i think it's super important and the tagline of my podcast is everybody has a story because i think that's what i learned the most in my dad's store every single person that came in there to spin a yarn with him or to complain to him or to tell him a funny story it's the first time i heard real big adult laughter where I was like, what is so funny? Like, I don't get it. (laughs) Um, But they, you know, so every emotion happened in there. And I saw all types of people. And I thought, yeah, everybody, everybody's coming from something. We're not all the same. It's what I tell my girls all the time. Like, whatever reason why someone's acting a certain way, it's coming from somewhere. And so if, you know, We can just remember that and move through our day with as much kindness as possible i i think we would be okay
0: you know it's it's funny you follow a pattern of other really great storytellers that i've talked to so one uh when he grew up his mom owned the beauty salon in town and so he'd go up there and he would sit there and he would just listen he'd listen to people talk all day long and the other one i believe his dad owned a general store in town and so he would just sit there and listen to people talk all day long and they are the most amazing storytellers I've had on here and here you are you were in a general store let me guess you're listening to people <laughs> tell stories and talk all day long there's something Isn't up-
1: that fascinating well first of all that's such a compliment thank you and I did I sat on the three little stairs that went from the store to the house and it was the it was the doorway it was right behind the meat counter and the slicer and he was down sort of to the left and I could sit there and no one would even know I was there Um, and I could just sit and listen or he'd have me doing chores in the store and you know, you're listening and whether you're actually really listening because maybe it's boring adult conversation, but trust me, it's getting in. And I think that, yeah, you're right. One of our, I believe, greatest storytellers, he's a friend of mine um, in Canada. He's a former Much Music VJ and uh, now he has his own show on Apple and he's heavily into music and he's just a wonderful, wonderful person. He's a Canadian celebrity. His name is George Strombolopoulos and he is one of the best storytellers I've ever known. And he was raised by a single mom. I'm fully ripping off his story here, but it's important (laughs) to what you're saying because it's true. He was raised by a single mom and she worked two jobs. And so in the summertime, when they weren't in school, she needed to get the kids to go somewhere. And he tells a really amazing story about how she would drop them at the library in the morning and they basically were told to go in and read and don't leave and just stay. She would get them at lunchtime and they'd go have a little, you know, bag lunch in the park or whatever. And when she went back to her other job, she dropped them at the nursing home at the retirement center and said, go in and find someone to talk to. <laughs> no, I know you can't do that now. Yeah, it's a little wild. But they were like, "What are you saying? He tells it so great." And anyway, he went in and that became his afternoons, a little kid in the summertime spending his afternoon with a bunch of old people, and that was where he believes he got his great stories from listening and talking to people who had lived a life playing games, just being around in an environment where there's a lot of people telling their stories. So I think it seeps in.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And something about that formula gives people the ability to, I guess, remember and recount stories in such a way. I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's interesting. So you said you, you had your father until you were 21. How old was he when he passed away?
1: He was only sixty-six.
0: Only sixty-six. That's so. He was young. a lot
1: older than me because I, I was the youngest, like I said. So when he had my my oldest brother, he was um, he was fifteen. Let me think now. So how old would he have been when he had me? My mom. He was yeah in his forties. So yeah, he would have been in his you know. Started in his late 20s, early 30s with everybody else. And then I was definitely a happy accident. I came six and a half years after my, <laughs> the one that's closest to me. So, but yeah, so I didn't get a lot of time with him. He got sick when I was um, 18. And um, he was sick for about, yeah, two and a half years. But the sort of joy that came from that, if you can, if I can spin it slightly, is that I, stayed home with my mom I didn't go off to school after high school all my friends left and went to school and I stayed home with my mom to help her take care of them so I got a bit of a different I got a bit of a different dad uh, in those two years that that nobody else did and it was hard don't get me Mm -hmm. wrong Um, but I got to see him in a bit of a different light Um, so I and it was full-time it was full-time time time with him so that was even though it was difficult it was very special
0: Mm. do you think that um... When he passed, did that motivate you? Because I, I saw that you. I mean, you've done some like you've backpacked through Europe a couple times, and heard you've had some crazy adventures and stuff like that. Did that? Do you think maybe informed you to like be you know in the moment, be present, live a little more, take a few more chances?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't consider myself a chance taker. chance taker. But well, you said yes to this. Think... <laughs> so yeah, pretty big gamble. Well, but... my new, my new thing in the last year is to say yes, unless a no is required that someone said that to me. And I really love that. So I'm really trying hard to do that. Um, yes, after he passed away, um, my mom and my brother and my one brother and my sister and I actually went off to Europe. And that was my first little backpacking stint. I did with my brother. Uh, we went to the Netherlands, which is where my mom was born and raised. And so that was sort of the first of that. And then I loved it. Uh, I came home. I went to university. I dropped out (laughs) because I will say I I got there. And I think being in a classroom after having (laughs) taken care of my dad for those two and a half years, it's so silly. And I don't know. This would not be true. This is true just for me, maybe. But I felt so suffocated Mm. (laughs) in that situation. And you know I used I've been to the school of life I used to say which is so lame but um, I just think when I got to school in that traditional sense it was very hard for me to sit still and I that's when I started to actually have a little bit of anxiety but what really helped me was yes doing the things and you know going after some things that I knew that I really wanted to do so then I did a second backpacking trip and that was just pure joy I have a million stories from that thing and I it was so special. I tell my girls all the time, if they ever do it, I, I even though I want them to take their phones, I also don't want them to take their phones because <laughs> getting lost and having to figure out how to get around without GPS. And it was just so special. Getting lost was where I got found. I you know, met so many people in those moments of ending up somewhere where I didn't think I was supposed to. So, yeah, I think for sure it you know, made me a little bit more, um, yeah willing to try and do things maybe that I wouldn't have if I'd gone on the straight path right after high school and I do think about it a lot in that life is short that comes up a lot in my mind because I lost him Um, you know lost him that's such a weird thing to say because he died so you know young uh, to me anyway but he made such a big impact so what can you do in the time that you're here (laughs) somebody can make that kind of impact on someone and just, you know, 18 years of their life, then, you know, that would be my thing that I would want to always try to, to take from him.
0: Hmm. Well, but you don't have 18 years. You have like 20 minutes when you're doing these podcasts and you're making impacts. So that's, <laughs> well, that's, you put nice. it in that perspective, it's like he had an easy job of it. Like you're you're <laughs> trying to make big moves, you're making big money moves in a short amount of time. And I gotta say some of that stuff took me back a little bit. I know i'm I'm jumping ahead like talking about your podcast or whatever but um yeah some of the stuff yeah i don't care i'm gonna jump all around i don't give a crap um like in your podcast you've done some really interesting ones and some really funny ones i know there was ones where you talk to teenagers and you have i mean that's generally the format where you 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 give a little bit which i i love honestly love i love conversations i love hearing people talk and tell me stories so um, I'm totally on board with this, but uh, you'll give a little bit and you'll have other people talk. but you don't just stick to fun safe subjects like um, you did one called this is my miscarriage and man, that one hit me pretty hard. you know I was mm-hmm. like wow um, how do you how do you decide to do like in particular that one how do you decide to do because that's scary to me that's scary mm-hmm. and vulnerable. I know. There's a little bit of safety because it's produced you're writing it out so you can get just as close as that line as you are comfortable with and not go over <laughs> it but then yeah you know you're also allowing other people to share their stories and they may go to some place that's wholly uncomfortable for you it's like how do you how do you get ready for that how do you decide to do something like where do you muster the courage for that
1: oh gosh i mean it's so kind for you to say that it's courageous i think Well, first of all, I think that every, everything is a subject, so everything can be a story. So I've said this before, my brother's always very concerned that I'm going to run out of topics, but I don't think that I will because Hmm. everything can be a story. So that's, I can always start there. I can start with, you know, and then do I have a story? Do I have something that I can contribute? And I won't be able to necessarily have a personal story for every topic that um, comes up. But Pretty much, you know, if you've lived a life, there's something someone's either told you a story or you've heard a story or, you know, it's I think it's all in the way that you, yes, tell it. I've been really lucky so far. Every every topic that, you know, I've I've covered. I've had something to say about it. Um, And then for the depth of it, you know, sometimes people come to me and it was one of the women that shared their story that had written me um, Mm. a couple months prior and said, I really want to tell my story about miscarriage, and I had had a, m- a miscarriage myself. And I agreed. I I, I really don't re- turn much away I, in all of the stories. I've had 313 guests and 313 stories in two seasons, and there's only one person that I asked them to just slightly change their story because it was just a little raunchy for. Not change their story. Excuse me. Tell a different story because it was a little <laughs> raunchy for. And I'm I'm pretty. I'm open-minded, I love a good love launch, a good um, but it it was not, I know my audience, and it just went to a different place, um, but he was wonderful, and he was absolutely willing to tell a different story, so, yeah, I'm asking people to dig deep, and, and like you said, some of it is really light, and it's fun and funny, and some of it is definitely heavier than others, and I am very much an open book. I don't tell every part like you say I, I get to <laughs> produce exactly what I you know want to to give and there's lots of stories I've not told yet I think people think that I've said it all and that I'm giving it all up and I certainly haven't I have I have things that I've not shared and I may get to and I may not um, but I think that for me because, because in the past when I've shared certain stories, I've had one to five people come to me and say, me too. Thank you Mm. for telling that story. I relate to you. I think the miscarriage story is a very good example. I had never known anyone that had had a miscarriage before. And then I went through it really secretly Mm. and privately for the most part. And then when I had kind of come up and over and it was however long afterwards. And I started telling, you know, a couple friends or a couple people. I told my sister, so my sister knew, but she came back and said to me, you know, same. And then a friend said, yeah, me too. I couldn't believe how many people in my close circle had had a miscarriage mm. and never talked about it. And so I think that's the crux of all of it. If I speak about it and there's one person that feels closer to somebody. And uh, not just me. That's why I have guests on the mm. on the episodes, because my story may not resonate with you, but maybe guest number three will resonate with you. Um, and I think that's how we feel less alone. And I think that's yeah, how people feel connected to other people. So that's really the base of, how, of it. And that's how I get to the place of how I get the courage. What's to do more
0: it. satisfying, you know, what releases more dopamine in your brain, whether it's somebody who says, I really relate to that story that you told or, hey, that person you had on there, you know, you acting as a facilitator really resonated with some person. Like, so what do you think does it more, like your personal story or the facilitation piece?
1: Oh gosh, I think the, I think both are just so special. And, and I got a message, I was having a really bad day last week and I got a message from somebody out of the blue and she had been following me on Instagram. She'd even bought some merch from me, but she'd never listened to the podcast. And she decided in 2022 that she wanted to get off her phone a little bit more and be a little bit more connected to people in whatever way she could in these COVID times. And she decided she wanted to sort of, you know, branch out a little bit in, in how she connected. And so she started listening and she'd only listened to the first two episodes. And she she told me that she hadn't seen her parents in three years and it was partly mm. because of COVID. But then, you know, we all get a little bit sort of complacent and maybe a little bit lazy and maybe it's an excuse and we can travel in Canada now. But she just hadn't done it. And she said after she listened to the first two episodes, she immediately went and booked a flight out to see her parents. And I like I literally burst into tears um, because so that was my story, but it was also other people's stories. We were talking about our parents in those in those episodes and. Yeah, I got a huge rush Mm. of emotion from that gratitude that she shared it with me, but just I felt so happy and proud that I had put something out into the world that somebody motivated somebody to do something like that. Like what that's you're right. That's a rush. And sometimes, you know. I talk about this on the podcast the helpers High. when you help somebody else you know who feels better the person you helped or you and sometimes <laughs> i feel guilty about that like why am i doing this am i doing this so i can feel like amazing but what's wrong with that you know you feel good for helping they ended up you know feeling amazing for being helped mm. and i think everybody wins so yeah i i feel really great when that when that happens mm. it's why I keep yeah
0: it. i and i I've argued with people about this before and we may argue now, but I don't believe there is such a thing as a selfless act because whenever I do something for somebody else, it makes me feel good. But I don't think there's anything wrong yeah. with that. That's a win-win, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It helps you helps 100%. me. It's
0: like how can that be bad? How could that be wrong? Yeah.
1: It can't. Yeah. But absolutely. it sounds like
0: maybe the most maybe the most special piece or the piece that feeds you the most is that feedback when you see that you've made a real human connection with somebody, when you've sparked something there, does that does it make you feel tied to that person? Does it make you feel closer to that person maybe just for even if for a second in this life we live, you can feel that, you know, is that maybe what that is?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I have very full and intimate conversations with people on Instagram, (laughs) that I will probably never meet in this lifetime. You know, people that I really truly feel Mm -hmm. are my friends. um, Because of the conversations that we've shared about shared experience, or just by virtue of following each other you know all these years on instagram and liking each other's posts and you know people have watched my kids go from toddlers like to teenage girls. I mean, and they will never meet us. I have a friend he is in California. I I hope to meet him. I hope the next time I go to California, I get to meet him. But we talk to each other like old buddies, and he thinks he knows my girls. (laughs) and He doesn't and they don't know him. But there is something so 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 special about that, especially in these pandemic years. (laughs) We all did you
0: meet like one of your best friends through Twitter? I think oh I, yes, think like, I think you did like you did like an episode with her right and i love that one because yes, it was so hard. smooth and so natural you guys are such dorks together it was it was a lot of fun to listen to
1: yeah <laughs> yeah my friend another friend texted me afterwards and he's like i felt like yeah. i was sitting yeah. with the two of you that's fun to do that with a friend yeah we met on twitter she started following me because Dan Levy yes the Dan Levy told her to he was a uh, I worked with him a long time ago he's a friend of mine uh, back in the day and he just it was a funny thing I just joined Twitter and he was like follow my friend Jenny B and she was like okay I'll do what you say and then from there we just we started talking about the bachelor of all things and then she was coming to Toronto and said you know I'm not a creep and I want to meet you for for coffee or tea and well, you meet me, and that's it. And then now she lives here, and we work together, and she's one of my best that's friends. That's so cool.
0: <laughs> that's such a, I mean, uh, yeah. everybody's meeting their significant others online these days. How is that any different, right?
1: <laughs> yeah it's not any different it's exactly what it is and it does feel a little bit like a date you know when you meet up with <laughs> a friend from from the internet it's there's sort of that fun you know butterfly like oh are you gonna spieling. kill me or not I I have mean, what's gonna
0: happen <laughs>
1: like, yeah exactly i was like are you gonna single white female <laughs> and shit? i hope not but she ends up being really cool so i'm, I'm really oh <laughs> that's awesome
0: So you've done a lot of interesting, amazing things. Uh, (laughs) I was digging around. Um, I saw that you produce some MTV, (laughs) this is completely off topic, but it cracked me up. Uh, You produce some like MTV Cribs Canada stuff. And so I just like searched out a couple of those. I was like, oh my God, you're the voice actor as well. You're the voice host on that, (laughs) hilarious.
1: Well, that's Canadian TV for you. I mean, you know, the cribs in the, in the MTV in the States, I think they had 60 people that worked on cribs. And here in Canada, we had like five. <laughs> I did most of the jobs. I produced it. I booked the talent. I story edited and I directed on the day. And yes, I was the voice of Canadian Cribs.
0: Yeah, what, so it's funny because the voice I heard on Canadian Cribs is awfully close to the one i hear on the um uh, this is it actually podcast right so it's it's funny it seems like a lot of the things you've done in the past have kind of led you to this crossroads here at this podcast thing and i don't know if you feel like it's something really special to me i think it's uh, you really shine it, it's exceptionally well polished and i know it's really just you putting all this stuff together um you ever thought about kind of the weird uh, Plinko game that is your life that's led you here and all <laughs> these various things have kind of coalesced to to be this amazing yeah. producer because yeah, I mean you do like you talked about television production as well as the podcast and stuff
1: well it's funny because the podcast is like it's the Sort of realest and hardest job I've had that I don't get paid for. <laughs> so then I don't feel like it's a job. You know, when you're not being given a paycheck, you think, what is this? You know, but it is a job and I love it. It is one of my favorite jobs. Um, but yeah, I've never lined it up that way because it was sort of this side project that I was going to do that has now turned into this full time beast that is, you know, a really big part of my life. And when I was in high school, And I was asked what I wanted to do. I wanted to be on the radio. So you want to talk about full circle? I mean, I never got a job on the radio, never got a job in the radio, I was offered. I was offered a daytime shift at a small local station up by my hometown. But I was already Mm -hmm. deep into television. I was a couple years into a job on Canada's only late night talk show. And I could go and move back home with my mom and go into this know, radio station, which was my dream job, you know, for something like, I think it was like 17 or $19,000 a year. And I would have had to leave the city. And so you got big dream and then sort of all these negatives. And then over here, I had this really cool job that I was embarking upon my bosses offered me a different job, a better job when they found out that I would be leaving, Mm. and they gave me a raise, and I was going to stay in the city. So It was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make in my life, actually. And I've had moments where I thought, did I make the right decision? I mean, I know I did because I ended up meeting my ex-husband on the late night talk show, which brings me to being a mom to these two children. So, yes, it all worked out the way that it was supposed to. But I do laugh sometimes when I'm on that mic and I think, yep, I wanted to be in radio. And this is now just I've, I've just invented it, I guess. I've you know, made this show podcasting came along at the right time for me um i was a little late to it um but I maybe mean, there's no there's no right time to start there's you know the right time is the time that you do it so yeah i think that it has all led me to this point and i hope that i can keep making it i really i really love doing it and i love the people that i've been connected to mm. because of it what's
0: your um as far as the podcast goes what's like your uh your white whale what's your Moby dick what's the the big one you want to do but maybe uh maybe it seems a little scary or you're just not ready for it yet in terms of topic or the direction you want to move with it or anything
1: Mm. well a crazy thing just happened um in the last couple of weeks i i signed i got signed to do the podcast as a digital series for a television station up here so that's weird and wacky <laughs> and not oh imagine that the thing. person working in television and... <laughs> for 20 years suddenly
0: is doing something in television can't seem that crazy <laughs> yeah, right
1: exactly no i guess not but just because it's my own it's your thing baby. and it's a podcast being made into tv so i guess yeah if you had asked me that maybe six months ago i would have thought that would have been a really cool thing so that's happening that is which awesome. is really amazing I think that um, I I love doing the one-on-ones I don't do them very often but I there are definitely some people that I would love to have come on um, as a one-on-one I definitely have a dream a dream list and I think that I would just I would love it to I would love it to Hmm. keep growing so that a I can you know have more people on it obviously I would love to be able to keep making it and i would love it to just i would love it to grow in a bunch of directions so the tv thing is very cool i'd love it to hmm. be a book you know maybe that's crazy but I, I imagine all of these stories essay style you know in a book that i feel like people you know who love to read that would be another avenue for them and i'd love to get paid yes. to make yes, it yes yes that <laughs> was
0: the question i was going to ask can you imagine a world in which you would be okay just doing uh, i mean it's not just a It's not going to be just a i don't know what do you want to call this the universe the this is it Actually, universe like just supporting that like could you does that seem like crazy does that seem safe does that scare you a bit
1: yeah it seems nuts like i it seemed no i i and i should imagine it because i know that when you imagine these things and everything that i put on my vision board you know lots of it comes true Uh i'm a vision board girl i believe that the universe brings back to you what you put out i all of that all of that It is hard to imagine i think but i'm going to say it's not going to be hard to imagine i think that it would be amazing it's coming to fruition lovely to have some help it would be wonderful it came to fruition um yeah this is the job that i want to do and this is the job i I want to (laughs) do
0: not just feed your soul but pay your bills
1: exactly and it does feed my soul and I feel so grateful for that but yeah the soul the soul they do say that if you do the things that you love eventually you know it takes you to the place where it's supposed to um in terms of bringing back to you what you need from it so I don't want to ever feel ungrateful because the stories are so much and so beautiful and so wonderful but yeah they don't
0: they mm, don't, put that's right. they the don't feed my kids <laughs> they don't yeah I keep a roof over my head exactly. I, I get it I get it like I yeah. I very much understand that yeah like when I started mine I didn't fully understand why I was even really doing it uh, I mean I've I've done a technical podcast for 10 years right but it's for nerds and you know their their ilk and so it was very different than this right so I've kind of been doing this thing a long time but this feeds me in a way that um one I never expected it to And two, like, I just had uh, a conversation. So I've been at this about a year, like right at about a year um, on this this style one. And I was having a conversation with my wife about, you know, why I was even really doing it and what I've got out of it. And I realized Mm -hmm. I make myself completely open, right? The thing that scared me the most, like, and was so dangerous most of my life, I do that now and I do it with some incredible people. And I have uh, learned so much about myself, and uh, learned how to interact with people better. But what's crazy is <laughs> my wife and I were talking about. Whenever you go and you do a job, you put on a uniform, whether it's visible or invisible, right? You're sometimes you're you're always you're always you, but shades of you, right? Like it's you're you're sort of different. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, she was like, "Yeah, you know, that's a very different person you are when you're doing this podcast." And I was saying, you know what? it's not that different from me anymore. Like I've learned to start moving towards that person and I just like, I just started, my eyes just started just sobbing, you know? I wasn't like losing it, but (laughs) it made me realize that I am becoming more the person I wanted to be. Like I didn't realize that was my intention or my goal, Um, but it's amazing and through every person that's kind enough to say yes, you know, it did, it changes me in a significant way. And I don't know if uh, other people hearing this make those adjustments. I don't know how you get such good feedback. It's it's much smaller for me, but uh, but that's <laughs> awesome. Like, uh, I think that's yeah. it's so cool. And it makes me sort of curious. When other people, you start a podcast kind of, you know, where you're collecting stories and you're getting it out there, did you really have any goal for yourself like this is what I want out of this or did it just feel like this is something I want to do I need to do and you did it
1: yeah so I had this blog and I was really doing that so that I could tell my stories and it was that was really personal and a little bit not selfish but it was really for me I just wanted to get my stories out there in whatever way and then I had people say to me you know this should be a podcast and I was like, really? what? What is it? Like I didn't, you know, I, I couldn't really fathom it. And then it kept coming back, you know. And so when it finally occurred to me what it was, because I had many, I had different ideas about what the podcast was going to be. And when I finally realized that it was actually just the blog <laughs> in podcast form, in audio form, but with other people, when I had that light bulb moment, Really, for me, it was about being able to showcase all of these different types of stories. So my goal was always just to, like, find amazing people so that other people could feel connected to them. And, yeah, just keep finding great stories. And, you know, it's not always easy. Like you say, it's a joy when someone says yes. I've definitely had people come to me and say, I want to tell my story. I've been really lucky that way. But, you know, for every topic, I need to find three to five people for every episode. So it's not necessarily the easiest part of doing the podcast, but it is my favorite part. So Mm. my goal was always just get out as many stories as you can. Do you know them? Do you know it's an Instagram account? It's also a book. It's called Humans of New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've always said that I just I kind of wanted it to be Humans of New York, but in audio form or in video form, (laughs) you know, just that snapshot of a person. Tell me the story like you're my friend and give me a little snippet of sort of this this picture and then other people listening will feel you know connected to it hmm. and so I guess I've accomplished my goal <laughs> if that's you asked me what the goal was I think I did it, but I would like it to just yeah keep going and 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 get bigger
0: yeah and share your your message your feeling connect more humans just bigger bigger audience I love it I dig it.
1: That's it. That's it. Yeah. Connecting humans. I think that that's all we, it's not necessarily what people think that they need or want, but when it happens, it you realize how important it actually is. And just being able to hear someone else's story humanizes somebody and helps us better understand other people.
0: Hmm. I feel like most of us are just going through life, waiting for somebody to see us. You
1: know? Oh my gosh. Yes. Wow. That's, yep. That's profound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're all stories that's what i say margaret atwood said that you know we're all stories in the end that's that's what it is and so every part of what we do every moment every part of our day even if we think it's nothing it's something and if somebody else can relate to that for even just a second then we've done our jobs as humans
0: Mm. that's heavy that's good i like that (laughs) all right jenny well i'll tell you what i definitely want to be respectful of your time i know we are coming uh to a close here. So let me um, do the thing I always do at the end and say is there any specific way you want people to you know interact with you or interface with you out on the internets? like what's your what's your oh. favorite place?
1: That's lovely. Well, I really am pretty active on Instagram. So Instagram is where I talk to people and people can find me and it's at this is it actually. And I do have a website and it's this is it actually dot com. And I have I've just launched a writing course, right. a 20, 20 day writing workshop, which is kind of a fun way to connect as well. So there's, you know, you can find the podcast there and I've got a little bit of merch there and then you can find the writing workshop. So, yeah, I think those are the two best places for people to connect with me.
0: All right. And you said you also have people come to you and say, "Hey, I want to tell a story." How do uh, how do people do that just through the website?
1: Yeah, they can do it on the website. There's a contact um, and you can send it to my email, which is this is it actually at gmail.com or people can send me DMS on Instagram. I check all my DMS and there's lots of times where people will send me, you know, an idea for a story. And I'm always so grateful if somebody wants to hop onto the podcast or if they know somebody that has a really great story, I'm always searching and I've showcased uh, stories from people all around the world and it's just such a special part of the podcast. So yeah, please connect with me.
0: (laughs) Mm, That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, bud, you were so open and honest. Um, I know, this has gotta be a little scary when you come on somebody else's podcast, right? Because you know they're gonna ask you uncomfortable things. So I really appreciate you for one saying yes and two just um, yes anding everything I had to, to ask you. It was so amazing. And I love all of the positivity you put out there, all the kindness and some of it, some of your topics are scary, but they're important. And it's like, uh, there's a weight to every single one of them. It's, it's almost like whenever they start, it's like, this is something I need to hear, right? I may not get something from every single story, but there's always something good in there for me. Uh, like, uh, and I just love hearing it. So I, I really thank you for getting your voice out there. Um, it's so funny how I found you, like this random series of events, and I'm so glad I did. But most of the most, um, I guess, the most stimulating, interesting people I find in life are by chance, so uh, I appreciate you. <laughs>
1: Well, I appreciate you so much and I'm so glad that you found me and I, great questions, great conversation and it's, it is pure joy for me to be able to have conversations with other people, especially in the podcasting world and knowing what everyone out there, you know, everyone is doing out there. So yeah, no, I'm really grateful that you asked me. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to come over here. I'm going to click the stop button.